Hello, and welcome to Explaining Politics with your host, McKenna Dunn. Today's topic focuses in on elections and how they work. With a recent election happening just about a month ago, we wanted to shed light on this important topic. Elections are very precise and systematic, which often confuses the general public. But because as American citizens, we have the privilege and opportunity to vote, I wanted to explain how I could make it easier to vote. As a segue into elections, I want to explain the most recent 2020 presidential election. On November 3rd, 161 million Americans got up to either cast their vote or already had sent in a mail-in ballot. 2020 had the largest voter turnout in modern history, but yet 43% of Americans still don't know how the Electoral College works. Even worse, many people are uninformed about their local and state candidates. Voting has been an inherent part of America since 1788, when they elected the first president of the United States, George Washington. It's so important that as Americans, we still have the privilege to vote, as many countries still don't have the opportunity. Here is a crash course on how voting works and why it is so important. I first wanted to start off the podcast by asking my friends what they knew about elections. They are your typical average Joe when it comes to election knowledge. It gave me a very good perspective about people's general knowledge of elections or lack of thereof. Okay, so I'm here with my friend Izzy, and I'm going to ask her a few questions about elections. Izzy, do you know what the Electoral College is? Um, I kind of know what it is. I know that, like, each state has a different number of, like, electoral votes based off of their population. So, like, California has a lot more than the state of, like, Wyoming. Okay, and for my second question, do you know anything about state or local elections? Um, not really. Uh, that's something I'm not very familiar with. Hi, everyone. So I'm here with my friend Kanika, and I'm going to ask her some questions about elections. So Kanika, do you know what the Electoral College is? Um, no, I don't know what the Electoral College is. Okay, cool, cool. Do you know anything about state or local elections? No, I don't know anything about either of those. Okay, one more question for you, Kanika. Do you know your senators or representatives? Um, no, I don't know any of them. I first wanted to start off by talking about the most confusing topic, the Electoral College. The Electoral College is made up by the Senate and House of Representatives. Each state has two senators, whereas the number of representatives a state has is determined by population. Bigger states, such as California, have more representatives, whereas a smaller state like Rhode Island has less. But this is solely determined by population, not state size. For example, Wyoming is a fairly large state by area, but since its population is roughly above 500,000 people, it only has one representative. These people are elected by you, the people. Senators are elected every six years and representatives are elected every two years. In order to be able to run for the President of the United States, 
The Constitution requires that one must be a natural-born citizen of the United States, be at least 35 years old, and have been a resident of the United States for at least 14 years. America runs on a two-party system, including the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. There are some independent parties, such as the Green Party, Libertarians, and different ones, but they are very small in comparison to the Democratic and Republican parties. When you go to a polling place or send in your ballot, your vote is going towards something called the popular vote. The popular vote is how many people elected a candidate, but although it is important, it doesn't determine the result of an election. The electoral vote determines the result of an election. Whichever candidate wins the popular vote in each state, it receives all of the state's representatives. States with bigger populations benefit the candidate more because they are able to gain a larger amount of electorates. In recent years, there has been debates on whether the Electoral College should be kept or if the United States should revamp their voting process. In the 2016 election, the Democratic candidate, Hillary Clinton, won the popular vote, but because Republican candidate Donald Trump won the Electoral College, he won the presidency. It was very bizarre that the president didn't win the popular vote and the electoral vote, as that has only happened a handful of times in the United States. This caused outrage among the people of the United States. They started to question why we would have the Electoral College in the first place. The purpose of the Electoral College is that people get to choose the people who cast their votes. Many people believe that the system is outdated and the presidency should be based solely on the popular vote rather than the Electoral College. Arguably, state and local elections are just as, or even more important, than presidential elections. A presidential election only happens every four years, whereas a state or local elections happen every year at least. Only one out of three people know their state governor, and only 20% of people know their local Congress members. State elections can even happen more than once a year if there are local or state legislature. Many times in state elections, you can vote for state representatives and senators, local positions such as mayor or a judge, levies, taxes, and many other things. For example, in Ohio this year, people were able to vote for the presidential candidate, the U.S. House of Representative for the district you reside in, two seats in the Ohio Supreme Court, and members for the Ohio General Assembly. Voting has not always been a rite of passage, especially for minorities. Often, their rights as an American citizen have been stripped away because of race, ethnicity, and gender. In 1776, only white men 21 or older who owned land were able to vote, which discriminated against African Americans and women. But it was revolutionary that in 1870, the 15th Amendment allowed African Americans to vote. Even though this amendment was created, white people tried to prevent them from voting by using poll taxes, literacy tests, and grandfather clauses. Still, many other ethnicities such as Native Americans were discriminated against. <laughs>
In 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, and finally, all women were given the opportunity to vote. Then, in 1924, the Indian Citizenship Act granted Native American citizenship and voting rights. In 1964, the Civil Rights Act further protected minorities' rights by guaranteeing women and men 21 and older the right to vote regardless of religion, race, or ethnicity. That same year, the 24th Amendment outlawed poll taxes that prevented African Americans from voting. In 1965, the Voting Rights Act suspended literacy tests and voting rights are federally enforced. In 1971, the 26th Amendment lowered the voting age to 18. In 1975, the Federal Voting Rights Act is renewed, permanently banning literacy tests nationwide. Section 203 is added, requiring translated voting materials in areas with large numbers of citizens with limited English skills. In 1984, the Federal Voting Accessibility for the Elderly and Handicapped Act requires polling places to be accessible to people with disabilities. All of these laws and amendments have made it easier for minorities to be able to gain their right to vote. Voting is a freedom that is an inherent right as an American citizen and should be used purposefully. The 2020 election has been on everyone's minds lately. Here is a synopsis on the recent election. The two candidates, incumbent President Donald Trump running for the Republican Party and former Vice President Joe Biden running for the Democratic Party, have very different opinions on policy issues. One of the main ones was the abortion stances. Donald Trump wanted to reverse Roe v. Wade that protected abortions in the first trimester, whereas Joe Biden doesn't believe in regulating a woman's body and wanted to protect Roe v. Wade. Their opinions differed on many policy issues, such as gun rights, health care, the economy, and other polarizing topics. Donald Trump's vice president still remained former Indiana Governor Mike Pence, and Joe Biden picked his vice president to be Kamala Harris, state senator for California. The election was very close, but in the end, on November 6, Joe Biden was declared the winner, making him 46th president of the United States. This also made Kamala Harris the first woman and person of color to be the vice president. Only 98% of the votes has been counted for now, but Joe Biden is still projected to win the Electoral College with 306 votes compared to Donald Trump's 232 votes. Fun fact! Did you know the 2020 election was very unique in many ways? States that normally voted Republican, such as Arizona and Georgia, went to Democratic candidate Joe Biden. It took much longer to call the election winner this year because of the abundance of mail-in ballots regarding COVID-19. There is still a lot of buzz about the 2020 presidential election, and it is far from over. Hear what CNN has to say about it recently. Unhinged, a Frankenstein's monster. Judges and others in the legal world are running out of pejoratives to describe the legal efforts of outgoing President Trump and his allies who have, as of this morning, lost or withdrawn at least 30 cases in their efforts to overturn the results of a free and fair election. We just heard last night 
a resounding dismissal with prejudice of a Trump lawsuit. It came from Judge Matthew Brand of the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, who a few days ago asked the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, this simple question. But at bottom, you're asking this court to invalidate more than 6.8 million votes, which we just heard about from counsel, thereby disenfranchising every single voter in the Commonwealth. Can you tell me how this result can possibly be justified? That is, in a nutshell, the Trump case. Throw out millions of legal votes so as to overturn the will of the voters and undermine democracy. The next steps in the 2020 election is for the electors to meet in person to vote. As of November 3rd, states have selected their electors. 98% of the votes have been counted as of now in the United States and will be finalized in the next few weeks. On December 14th, 2020, these electors will meet virtually in order to cast a vote for president on how their state voted, whether that would be Republican or Democrat. The election results and vote will be finalized on January 6, 2021, and the president will be inaugurated on January 20, 2021. As an American citizen, you get the privilege and right to vote in American elections. To be able to vote, whether in a presidential, state, or local election, you must register to vote. You can register to vote at vote.gov, that's V-O-T-E dot gov, or download the National Mail Voter Registration Form. You can fill that out electronically online or by hand and mail it in. You typically must be 18 years old and a U.S. citizen. Requirements vary by state, so make sure to check your local voter registration requirements. If you are old enough and have the ability to vote, please do so. Your voice matters so much and the future of the United States depends on it. If you didn't get the opportunity to vote in the 2020 presidential election, please vote for the next election in 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Explaining Politics. And as always, stay knowledgeable and informed. Thank you.